and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm your host, Julie Turner, and I'm so excited that you've joined us today. I believe that each of you are created uniquely and for a purpose. On this show, I talk with women that I believe are living out their God-given purpose right in the place where they are at. My hope is that wherever life has you, whether you're in the workforce, raising young people, or both, whether you're married or single, fullness or emptiness, whatever your particular circumstances, I hope that in listening to these women and their stories, that you will feel inspired to live confidently in your own purpose every day of your life. You'll be hearing from ordinary women living ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose. Today, I will be talking with my dear friend, Donna Gray. Donna is a wife to her wonderful husband, Patrick, a mom to three beautiful children, and she's a full-time second grade teacher. She is legitimately one of the kindest, most positive, and uplifting people I know, and I was so inspired by her story and the way she persistently chooses joy no matter what circumstance she's facing. You will love her and her story, and so without further ado, here's my interview with my good friend, Donna Gray. Donna, I'm so glad you're sitting here with me in my living room. Welcome to the Made for This podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you. This is my dear friend, Donna. We've known each other for so many years now, and their family is just one of our very favorites, and it's a treat to have you here with me, being able to interview you. I can't wait to share your story. Um, So you are a wife to your husband, Patrick. Do you want to tell us a little bit about him? Yes. Patrick is... He is a very funny guy, and he is, if you ever want to just have fun with someone, you should definitely call him. He's a good one, and because usually he will fall or do some, break something. Yes. Or. I I know this about him, because he's broken some of my very favorite things in my house. Thank you, Patrick. From other countries. From other countries. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Thrown glass lids around. (laughs) Yeah, we we joke that he gets plastic at my house. Um, yes, and you have three beautiful children. You want to tell yes. us about them? I have a daughter who is 11, sixth grade. She's doing sixth grade well. Nice. And I have a second grader boy, and then I have a first grader daughter. Awesome. So, well, I'm sure we'll talk about them lots later, but yes, you have darling kids and so talented and... Um, yeah, I just, I love your family. Okay, one of the things I wanted to start asking you about is your career, um, because the podcast is intended to just talk about people living out their purpose right in the space that they are at, and you are made to be a teacher. You are you are so for kids, and you're so great with kids, and you've taught how many years now in the public school? This is my 19th year oh my of teaching. Gosh, <laughs> yes. that's amazing. Yes. yes. See, you're the best. That's, that's... That is an impressive number of years to be in a classroom with average of how many kids in your... Between 20 and 25. 20 and 25 second graders, right? Yes. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah. So with that, you have to have all the stories. I have all the stories. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do some standouts. Like what's a standout just maybe let's start with a funny, like hilarious teaching moment that you've had. My favorite one uh-huh. is from when I was subbing. So the first year I didn't get a teaching contract. So okay. I subbed and that is the hardest job. Oh, I That bet. is the very hardest job. I bet. Yeah. Um, but so I was in this classroom and I was going to be there for three or four days. So okay. I needed to like establish some rapport with for these sure. kids yeah. because it wasn't just a one yeah. day in kind of a situation. Yeah. And there was this 
oh, it was a tough class, and oh, I was bright-eyed and, you know, had no tricks in my bag yet because yeah. I wasn't, I hadn't been right, there long enough one. yet. Oh, that's a tough way to start teaching. <laughs> yeah, it really is not the best. Yeah. So he was just pushing, pushing, pushing. And finally, I, at, at the end of the day, I kind of took him to the side and I, um, crouched down yeah. at him and kind of got in his face a little bit in his space just to yeah. kind of help him realize I was serious. Uh-huh, exactly. And I I said something to the effect of, you are not in charge of this classroom. <laughs> Who is in charge of this classroom? And I think I said it just with that tone of voice oh, and dear. everything. Uh-huh. And he said, you are. And I said, that's right. You are. <laughs> oh, no. No. I am. So funny. And the whole class oh, was over there gosh. watching. And he, because luckily it was oh, second grade, that's so, so funny. I'm, you know, he's still a little intimidated by the teacher, right. even if it is a sub. Oh and he gosh. didn't laugh, but I know he laughed with his friends later right. because I'm just like, <laughs> that's oh, right. man. you're in charge. Wait, no, wait, no, 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 you're not in charge. I went to college. I'm in charge. That's amazing. That's yes. amazing. Oh, yes. that's hilarious. Did he pull it together after that no. the next day? No. No. Because he was in charge. Because I had already told him he was in charge. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. What do you think is one of the best, like what's kept you in teaching for 19 years? What do you uh, love about it? Well, I was, when I was in first grade, I was sitting in my first grade classroom. I can tell you the snapshot in my brain. I had Mrs. Bearwald for my first grade teacher. Mm. And I said, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. Oh, that's the best. And I never wavered. I just knew it was like that complete and total peace that even after growing up and doing soul searching and all of that, that has been the peace. And I am a teacher. I'm just a teacher. Oh, I love that. And so... First grade. Yeah. I know it's weird. People say that's weird. It it is weird. I I acknowledge that. I knew I wanted to be a musician. When yeah. I was a kid, yeah. I just always knew deep down that's what I was going to do and ve- took a winding path after that, but still yeah. that's who I am to the core and yeah. that's who you are that's to the very core. So what, um, so what, what has been maybe, a, I mean, there's probably a lot of teachers listening. What's a challenging aspect of teaching for you? I know there's so many, but. There's so many. And I will say that currently I teach at a school that has, um, it's a hard school with kids that have hard lives. They have harder lives than I have had, and that is their reality. And, of course, they bring it in. Just if right. you have a fight with your husband, of course, the next day you bring it to your world. And that happens every day at my school with 25 kids. And so that has – and it has gotten worse over the years. It has gotten yeah. harder the problems are much bigger. They're adult-sized problems. They're not kid-sized problems anymore. And I can do absolutely zero things about them. I cannot fix their life. All I can do is love on them, Mm -hmm. and I can encourage them to be the very best that they can be. And I, when they are older... Because at eight, they're not able to control their world. Yeah. But when they're older, they will be able to control it and to be intentional about what do you, what do you want those choices to look like? Yeah. What's your path? So we'll talk about this more because honestly, you love kids almost more than anybody I've ever (laughs) met. And you have such a strong sense of advocacy for children and uh, wanting to fight for justice. I was joking with you about how I've only seen, you're so 
jolly and mild and happy until somebody messes with a kid. Don't mess with my, don't mess with the kids. Oh, I'm scared of Donna right now. (laughs) So, um, that has to be really hard for you when you see kids coming in that, you know, are, are, have fractures in relationships. And so what are some of the, I'm sure while you can't fix what happens at home all the time, what are some things that you try to instill in them each day? I, every single day, every single kid gets hugged at least three times, and I actually keep a running tally. You seriously do? Mm -hmm, Because my kids don't get touched very much. And if they do, it's not good usually. Okay. And so, but everybody needs touch. Everybody needs loving touch. So my kids get physically hugged by me three times a day. Wow. They get touched on the head or the back uh, all Every time I pass them, wow. I will touch them because they need to know what a loving touch is. Right. Wow. And while every time I need to change their behavior, I need them to change their behavior, we talk about, I think you're awesome. And oh. I, these are the things that I love about you. And I use the word love with them. Wow. And even in public school, because I do love them. Right. And they need to know that. And wow. so I while I'm trying to help them change their behavior, I'm also saying, you are awesome. You can do this. You are the only one who can do this. I can't change this for you. You have to do it for yourself. Wow. And yeah, you have that power. You can say, no, you're absolutely right. Will I still love you? Yes, I will. Will you have consequences? Of course, right. and here's what they are, and wow. so on and so forth. And so I'm imagining as the year goes on, does that start to sink down deeper and deeper into their little One would hope. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ideally. I, you know, I think that it's one of those things that I, in 15 years, when they come back to me, I could answer that for you. Yeah. But right now, in an eight-year-old brain, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have had several kids from past. And at this point, at my at the start of my career, I worked in a very middle class, very average American school where uh-huh. it, they did not have these big of problems. Okay. And, but I've had several of those kids come back to me. I've gotten marriage invitations, oh which makes me gosh. feel very old because they were seven when I taught them. That's amazing. And college graduation. And here's this letter you gave me. And I... Because I I used to, before I had kids of my own, I would write them a letter, every child a letter at the end of every year, telling them why I think they're awesome and never to forget that. And that is something that once I had kids of my own, I had to kind of shelve that, but... Wow. Anyway, that I, I'm hopeful that it does make a difference. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. That's Talk amazing. To me That's in 15 such a years. <laughs> to them to have stability within the six to eight hours that you have them. Yeah. That there's consistent boundaries, consistent form, format, consistent affection. That's amazing. Uh, that would be so hard, I think, for you to just... I don't know. That's got to be hard to let some of those things go. It is. And I... I will tell you that it's harder earlier in the year mm-hmm. when I haven't fallen in love with the kids yet. Yeah. Like first day of school, I like them because mm-hmm. they're kids. Right. And they're yeah. awesome and they're in my class and I know it will come because for 19 years it has come. Yeah. But it takes a while for me to get to know them and to fall in love with them. Right. But once I fall in love with them, oh, they're yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. that. And yeah. there we go. I bet that's hard to let them go then at the end of the year. Yeah, but it's also okay because 
I'm in their lives for a moment. Yeah. And they're in my, my life for a moment. And we shaped each other's lives. Right. And I have to trust that they're going on to another teacher that will love them just as much. Yeah. And I will go to their next year teacher if they're if they're at my school and I will say, This is why this kid is awesome. So I you love need to that, know that. That you're such an advocate, even just in the way that you represent them moving forward and hand them down with such a portfolio of praise. Because I know when I was, I only taught three years in the public school and you would tend to hear a lot more about, oh, watch out for this behavior. You got to watch out for this one. And they kind of came with a rap sheet already, mm-hmm. um, even heading up from kindergarten and <laughs> probably well, first grade. And I think that some and, of that is good and helpful information yeah. to have. Like, these are the struggles that I had with this kid. Right. It's all on how you present it. Yeah. Because... But like what you're saying, you're giving also this balance of, but this is what I called this out is. in them. This is the, what I saw that was great and good. and Right. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. So as long as I've known you, you've taught, but it's been mostly on a part-time right. basis. And right. two years now, you're on your second year of going full-time, and that is a world changer. Yes. So Because we just established three children, busy yes. life. How in the world has that transition gone? For you, well, it's not an easy transition. Right. <laughs> That's the truth, right? <laughs> and teaching, while it has some wonderful things, there's very little flexibility in yeah. it. I have days off. I have summers off. When my kids are off school, there's a good chance I am too. But if my kid has a doctor's appointment, I can't take my lunch hour at ten o'clock in the morning, right? And I can't go in an hour late, and I can't do, do those kind of things. So that has been. A real struggle, especially since my husband has been traveling more. Right. Um, and my kids do not go to the school that I teach at. Right. So that yeah. has been another layer. Well, and even in the district that. that you teach in, so somewhat different schedules at times. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, so managing full-time working life, full-time mom, what are some of the sanity tricks that you've figured out? To make that work. Because you still wear happy all the time. I mean, you really do. You wear strong and happy. And you bring that to your children. And you you give them a happy mom. And you give your husband a happy wife. And I'm not even saying that like we have to put on some big front. And we have to hold up some big fake facade. But like you really... You really do still fully engage in your home life responsibilities. What's some tricks to making that work? Because you have a finite number of hours. Right. Well, one, I have a supportive husband. And he does help a lot. And um, not as much with, like, housekeeping things. Although he does unload the dishwasher every single morning. Nice work, Patrick. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But he is supportive and he is there emotionally for me. Right. I have a house cleaner. And that is for real. And she does not clean my whole house, but she cleans my kitchen and my bathroom. Oh, see, those are the most important places. (laughs) Right. And then I have that time to go clean other places I can vacuum, I can dust. Yeah. Sometimes I can dust. Yeah. You know, whenever. Right. Most of the people I know that work full-time, meals are the worst. Yes. Like, even if they like cooking, they don't like that. Do you have tricks? Does that... Well, I meal plan twice, so I do it twice a month. Yeah. And then I grocery shop based on that. Where do you get your meals? I just have, you know, the standard 20, and then I'll look back and say, oh, what did, what haven't we had for a while? <laughs> you don't have a favorite cookbook or anything that I, you, or website? Don't, I use my crock pot a lot. I use, I make meals ahead of time in freezer and freeze oh, them. Oh, nice. And like, so I'll make some in the 
right before school starts, and I'll freeze oh, them. And then I'll also I did some over Christmas break, and nice. so then I'll freeze them. And well, and the good news is your husband likes exactly all the food. All so of the food. <laughs> and my kids like none of it, so it doesn't oh, matter okay. what I cook. They're not going to like it. <laughs> so cheers. Everybody wins. <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. so funny. Yeah. I also a, yeah. plan meals based on what our activities are that night. Oh, okay. So, for example, on Tuesday nights, they're crazy for us. Literally, I have a half an hour from when I walk in the door to when I have to walk out the door, and dinner oh, has to gosh, be done in that right. half hour. Wow. So that is leftover night every yeah. single week yeah. or grilled cheese and soup right uh, you know easy just really I just know that going in mm-hmm. that's what that day is yeah and I usually make something big on Sunday so we'll have something left over still on Tuesday from that wow so, yeah yeah I would imagine it would just take so many intentional choices like that just to simplify evenings and afternoons yes so that they can work right with all yeah I thought you're amazing mm-hmm. I, I really am inspired by the way that you navigate full-time work so gracefully, mm. honestly. Doesn't and, feel graceful. Right. <laughs> Just between us and everybody listening. And everybody listening on the internet. Yes. <laughs> no, I think that's so good. And you still, um, you're one of the most intentional people I know at getting together with your people. Like you're, you, I think last year, last year, 2016 was a tough year for us. And you were one of the things that kept us from being a complete and total hermit family. So (laughs) while working full time, while again, like you said, having sometimes a half hour after school to get meals and get your kids off to the next activity, how do you still carve out time for social? Hmm. You know, I haven't always had my people. Okay. And growing up, we didn't have people. Nobody. We did not have any social life as a family ever. Oh, wow. And so... When Patrick and I were newly married, we got married really young, 22. And um, we were the only ones of our friends that were married. Oh, wow. And then we relocated back to our college town. Oh, yeah. And so all of his friends were there and none of my friends. Uh, so it was literally me and seven guys hanging out oh, all fun. the time. That's nice for you. <laughs> well, actually, it was it was smelly. kind of fun. <laughs> well, it was smelly. Yes, there's that. <laughs> but And it was me feeding boys, essentially, (laughs) all the time. Oh, my goodness. But what that did is it instilled in me this joy of having other people around. Yeah. And I love my husband, but it cannot just be him and I all the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because... Well, you're both social people. Right. Exactly. And he has a million words. Oh, right. And I don't always have a million listening Uh, thing for him. (laughs) (laughs) I know my husband would really appreciate that scenario that you just described because I feel like he might think he lives that a few times himself where I've never been accused of having too few words. Hence a podcast. I can have all the words. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So then you can share his words with some other people. Right. Yeah. And... So that's where it started, and then when we went through this time of his friends moved away and we relocated, I never really found my group of friends there, okay. and then as life has gotten, as we've gotten older, and I've maybe become more comfortable with who I am, and yeah. just, this is me, and that's okay, this is how God made me on purpose, Yeah. and then I found my people. Yeah. And once I found my people, I'm like, oh, no, 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 they're not slipping away. Yeah. Because how yeah. many times do you hear people say, 
we should get together sometime. Right. Let's yeah, do exactly. that. And yeah. I don't feel like anybody is not honestly saying that. They are yeah. honestly saying we should get together because I enjoy hanging out with you. But it takes that one extra step of yeah. intentionality saying when. Yeah. When is that? Let's look. And yeah. I always recognize that in that moment that, hey, let's get together sometime. That's not the moment to do that. Yeah. But a text a day later saying, hey, we have this night and this night open. Can you do either of those? And then it starts the conversation. And the other person feels more secure that you are actually wanting to get together with them. Oh, I've been the recipient of that. Yeah. Oh, yes. I love Donna texts that say, (laughs) hey, Hey. let's get a dinner date on the calendar. (gasps) We have friends. (laughs) Love us. (laughs) Take us out. Oh, it's the best because I'm horrible at that. As much as an extrovert as I am and as much as I am crazy about people and need that in my life and need people to fill, I just need people time to fill me up. I don't schedule or plan. I'm way too abstract random for that. And so to get your text through or phone call or whatever saying, let's do something means the world to me. So I'm sure that that's great encouragement for any of us out there that, and even for me, being a terrible scheduler, still knowing if I could be motivated by the fact that it really does mean something to right. the other person when you reach out. Right. Um, well, so. and I'm happier. When I get together with my friends, I'm happier. Yeah. And life is hard enough. I don't want to take away the happy. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and we love having couple time. We like parties too, yeah. but if we had to choose, my husband and I would both choose one or two other couples, yeah. dinner date, small, or having a family over to our house. The yeah. kids can just just play. The grown-ups can just have our own thing going on, but we're still together. Yeah. And that is our absolute favorite because we get to really talk and we yeah. get to really spend that intimate time growing our friendship. Right. Yeah. I learned a lot from you about how to keep pursuing close friendships because life's kind of hard sometimes. (laughs) So you sort of need to have like that group who knows you and knows your heart and knows your intentions and knows who you are so that when you are misunderstood or when you're going through a conflict or when you have a crisis hit, you have those people that have your back and that that are truly invested in you all the time. And like you said, that doesn't happen by accident. Because you do. You have to have people that are for you in this tricky world. Right. I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. So speaking of tricky life, because holy cow, you've gone through a massive... So uh, again, so we, you were teaching part-time and your husband and his love of adventure, he began a rather dramatic shift in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us, which then affected your career and right. now you're working full-time, but do you want to tell a little bit about that shift, how it started, how sure. you're, he's working full-time at a hospital, you're working part-time as a teacher and life's clipping along and then mm-hmm. suddenly mm-hmm. you have a whole shift. Do you want to tell suddenly us about that story? Well, it's not very sudden, but it seemed sudden to people, yeah. some people, yes. Yeah. So one thing you have to know is that one of the conversations that Patrick and I had a lot before any of this happened was how I am literally living my dream life. He has helped provide that for me. And I know that sounds cheesy and corny, but I have a family that I really love, genuinely love being with. I got to work and be a mom equally. And that was amazing. When my babies were little, they went to daycare twice a week That's and how amazing. blessed am I right. about that that yeah. I was able to still pursue my career and I'm able I was able to contribute financially 
and um, spend time with my husband and have energy left yeah. for him. And that was not the story that I had growing up. And so Aww. I was able... I, I literally am living my dream. How awesome is that? That's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm married to a man who... 20 years in, oh my gosh, I really like him. Okay, He's a good guy. So and so really, honestly, I feel like God has blessed me so much with this. I mean, of course we have our issues. Everybody does, but yeah. I'm living my dream. What that's I thought of when I was a little girl and yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And so fast forward, he's always struggled with, um, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. He was the exact opposite of me. We're so similar that way, he and I. Yeah. (laughs) All the different paths and turns and twists and getting bored with certain things. Yes. (laughs) So he was a teacher for a while, and that was not a good fit for him. Mm -hmm. He was, then he went back to school and he became a a nurse, and he worked in several different areas of that. Luckily, nursing is pretty versatile, so he was able to. Explore different options yeah. in that. And then he went to um, becoming um, on the administration side of So really, that. he's just good at all the things. He's good at all the things. All the words. <laughs> all the words. <laughs> to be able to, honestly, the skill set required to teach I and know. then to just leap all the way over to nursing. Right. Fully in your adult life yeah. to have to go switch gears and then to go into kind of more hospital administration. Right. Where he had to, he was a go-between between the doctors and the hospital. So he really had to serve two masters a lot. Oh, gosh. So he is... I mean, he's really, right. He's really amazing. So we'll let the breaking stuff pass. Well, and and maybe not picking up his socks. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Whatever. He can have that. Okay. (laughs) Because he's good at all the other things. I'm so glad this is turning into a Patrick Roast podcast. I'm sure he's going to love this. (laughs) He's going to love it. Uh Yeah. He'll be like, well... He probably won't be surprised. Right, exactly. Honestly. There you go. Because <laughs> he's been to these live and in person before. So and he left us alone with a microphone. So his fault. Uh-huh, exactly. There we go. <laughs> there also, it's just his fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is getting even better. <laughs> anyway, yes. So he got this um, management job, and um, it really grew when it when he started at this job. It was very. It was a smaller job. And as he performed and they kind of clarified the role that he took on, mm-hmm. more and more and more and more and more and more and more were added. So really, when he left, they hired two and a half people to do oh, his wow. one job. Really? Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is a lot. And so he was really, he wasn't him anymore. And yeah. not, in, not in the extreme mental health no, it just part took of its that. Toll. It took its toll. Yeah. And it took its toll on everybody our yeah. kids and everything right so this is all leading up yes to this yeah, yeah yeah okay so then his friend his best friend that he's had since he was a day old said hey let's go on this trip across spain together yeah and, and so for anybody listening um Kirsten Skizik was also interviewed for this podcast, and so this is connecting those two stories together. Right. So when she talked about her husband, Justin, being pushed across Spain, now mm. comes in your family, right. um, Patrick, who was the one that, that was with him and pushed yes. him. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So his friend is in a, is, um, uses a wheelchair to get around, and it's um, motorized. He does not have use of his hands. And mm-hmm. so he, my husband physically pushed him 500 miles across Spain. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Two mountain ranges. It was crazy. And the first ones to ever complete that 
whole 500 miles in a wheelchair as far as they know. As far as they know, yes. That's amazing. Yes. And people telling them... Uh, You're crazy. Don't yeah. even you, try. You know it's steep, right? right. <laughs> you know it's hard, right? Don't... Really? No? Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, no. man. But... And they were just thinking that that was that. Yeah. But they had um, Patrick's boss said, you should take a documentary crew because this is a story filled with hope and we wow. don't have enough hope in the world right now. Wow. And so really scrambled last minute. Um, well, they tried it for it to be less than last minute. Yeah. But it, the way it worked out, it was very last minute. Five days before they left for Spain, there's a documentary crew. Yay! Oh and so they were able to um, document the whole thing. And then coming back, he was changed and he's like I don't want that pace anymore right I want to change the trajectory that our life is on wow isn't that amazing that the boss that he loved working for he loved but just in a job that was becoming overwhelming yes but his boss really was the one that paved the way by saying just that simple statement right you should take a documentary crew right it's so true and then from that yes so now he he's back stateside and um he's not happy in his job, but right. we're not in a financial place that we can just say, okay, and I quit. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I'm working part-time and yeah. it's a half-time teacher salary, so clearly yeah. I'm making millions of dollars. Right. And Easily so, support a family of five. Easily. <laughs> and all the activities. Yeah. <laughs> right. No problem. Um, so it, it, we took a little while and um, he and his friend, Justin, started getting calls to speak places. Oh, and yes. And getting... Yeah. Um, calls to talk about their documentary and all of these things. And it just kind of started ramping up a little bit. And we had many discussions during that time, lots of time in prayer. And just, is this something that that we're going to be able to do? Is he going to be able to make that leap? Right. Um, where we can make that a full-time job for him. Right. Because he they were loving it. They were loving it. And it just... People I mean, connected with their story, right. and every time they told it, they got more comfortable. More and comfortable and more things and more speaking engagements and all of this. So um, he came back in July, and October he put in his notice wow. that January, would he'd be done in January. Wow. So that gave us a little time to prepare financially for it. And um, so the problem with teaching is that I can't just say, okay, now I need to be full-time. Right. I had yeah. to wait for a whole contract year to come Right. Up. And at the beginning, he was working some contracting with the hospital and doing the speaking thing. So it was almost a little cushion. We were able to get some financial from that. Yeah. And we were able to get some from the speaking and as it as it went on it was hard it was yeah. I mean it was really hard and as the the hospital consulting job kind of dried up before I was able to go full-time in September get that September paycheck so like school supplies my mom right. paid for my kids school supplies that wow. year and we weren't ever hungry. We weren't yeah, ever yeah. not having enough to pay our bills. But that was faith. And right. people uh, stepping in and saying, let me take you out to dinner. Yeah. I think you guys did that without even knowing that we couldn't <laughs> actually afford dinner. <laughs> so thank you. Oh, and that's my husband. the speaking thing kind of went dry for a little bit. Yeah, Not dry, just not producing as much. Well, and didn't you have, as often happens when you take eight, 
monumental leap of faith into something, then all the things happen. All like, didn't the you things have like happened. everything in your house pretty yes. much break? Within four weeks, we had, I think, a $1,500 car bill, uh, and then our oven broke, oh and it was word. another $700. Our vacuum broke, and so did all that of rattle the things. you, or did you kind of just square your shoulders? No, we- I'm like, well, I guess we're doing something right, right. because clearly we are being tested right now. Right. And so actually I found kind of comfort in that, which is weird. Yeah. But it's true. Right. Because it was just so... It was ridiculous how many things happened in that three or four week period. It was ridiculous. When you have a finite savings that you've kind of allotted for your transition and then you're watching that just take such a hit. Right away. one after the other. Right. Yeah. Oh, that would be so hard. Yes. Oh my goodness. But... Then school started, and we're like, okay, we can do this. And yeah. he and his friend are writing a book, so some of that started happening. And it's just been slow and steady. And now we're to the place where they are. their book comes out next or in June. Wow. And they are doing Yeah, the book's called wow. I'll, Push I'll Push You also, you. and the film is called I'll Push push you and that still has some details to be worked out but right. book for sure this June I think 2017 yeah right? absolutely so people can so. look for that and their website is www.allpushyouallwoneword.com and so coming back to what you were saying so, so it's really the, the give and take where the give and take and so he supported me in those dreams for so long and I honestly can say I'm still living my dream right does it look different absolutely yeah I have a husband who's a hundred percent engaged my kids know him yeah they know him they love their daddy and they are they know him as a person not just as their dad right. which is a beautiful thing and most kids don't have that a yeah. lot of kids don't have that right and he he still is very supportive and he still is everything to my dream to make that still be the reality that right what you want your home life to look what like what we want and, our home life to yeah. look like but now he's an active participant in it yeah and so that's wonderful so yeah Giving him, saying, yeah, follow your dreams. Go do that, love. And I'm not going to say that that was without sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't without hard times. Absolutely. Um, But but we never questioned. We worked out the timing of it a Mm -hmm. little bit, but... I never questioned that that's what... That was our road. That was where God was taking us. It's just... That's amazing. And another reason to have your people. (laughs) Right. Because... Those are the major life events that you need to have your people around saying, you got this. You you got this. We're praying for you. And yeah. yeah. Um, And so why do you think... Was there a... Like, did God meet you in a specific way during that time? How did he help Mm -hmm. you through all of that? Because that's a lot of... That's a... While you really wrapped your head around the concept of it, you were all in favor of it, you were totally willing to support him... It's still hard. That's yeah. still a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Right. So from a faith standpoint, what did what did you learn through that? Uh, God is still there. Yeah. I mean, he's there in the hard times. And I don't think that that is a new concept, but I think that every new hard thing, we have to learn it again. Yeah. And he's there when you are two weeks out from getting paid and you have... 50 bucks for gas and groceries. Cheers. Or he's also there when you are in a doctor's appointment that's hard. Or he's there when you have a hard situation at work. And that seems hopeless because it's all about the loss of hope. 
that's mm. that's the struggle I think is that when you don't feel like you have hope I I tend to lose God in that yeah but he's there and he is hope yeah and that's I actually heard, I think it was Beth Moore said that. She goes, people can live with pain Mm -hmm. a lot easier than they can live without hope. Oh, so Uh, true, I think. And so having, because I'll say that, like, for me, going through something challenging, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have hope that God, like you said, was right there walking hand in hand with me. Even when I didn't always feel warm and fuzzy feelings in my faith, I knew the depth of my soul, he has my back and he's going to help us through. Absolutely. And that's, again, and I almost think that hard times refine us and they make us stronger and brighter and more brilliant to show, to reflect God's love. And if I get to do that, I'll I'll do the refining part because that's the part that comes before the brilliance part. And so... And I think you're really good too, just from a practical standpoint of... You're really good at living out that verse that says just whatever you think about, what's the verse that whatever is pure and lovely and noble, think on those things. Mm -hmm. You really do train and orient your mind toward what you have to be thankful for, which is huge because you're very sincere and real and honest that life has its ups and downs and challenges, but you do not allow yourself to dwell on what you don't have. You're always reorienting your mind around what you do have and what God has provided you with and what you are thankful for. And I think that's a, that's a gift that you have to other people and to your family probably. Well, I think that it's an, again, going back to that intentionality of it, I think that we have all been around people that all they do is complain, yeah. never change anything, and all they do is complain, and they bring you down. Nobody yeah. wants to be around someone like that. Right. And so when I find myself being tempted to focus on that, I think, nope, I'm not going to do that. That's yeah. not something that is helpful to anyone. That's not something that's going to change my situation. Yeah. Do I hide things? Absolutely not. Right. But... Do I have to focus on the hard parts? Absolutely not. Yeah, right. Because it goes back to that hope. We do have hope. We have hope. Because we have faith in Christ, we have hope. Yeah. And there's And if I can't find something positive about my very extremely privileged life that I have been blessed to lead, then I need a serious heart check. Right, (laughs) right. Well, that's still impressive to me, though, and I think it's contagious to others. Certainly me, for sure. I've been on the receiving end of that a lot. Even when I've come to you with something hard... I can. I can tell you the hard thing, and I can say, this is the problem I'm having, and I can seek advice, but there's solution always on the heels of that, not just complaining, like you said, about the problem, which is great. It's I've benefited from that a lot in my life. Okay, so we've really talked about a couple of the things that is my, are my very favorites about you, and number one, you're just crazy about kids and all four kids in every single way, and like I said, I'm, don't mess with Donna if you ever even like hint at being anything other than the most gracious, kind person to a kid. And we've talked about how you're so intentional in your speech, in your thoughts, in your actions, in your job, that those characteristics sort of led you down the other exciting path that we haven't talked about yet, which is that you have chosen the path of adoption as part of your, how you grew your family. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that part of your story and your sweet Olivia? Yes. So my cousin was adopted. Oh, okay. And um, this is not something, well, everybody says that I knew, but I really found out oh. in air quotes when I was in second grade. Oh, okay. Um, but I, 
I mean, it makes sense. He's like a foot shorter than, oh, okay. than his brothers <laughs> and not the same coloring and everything. But, you yeah. know, it's my cousin. I yeah. didn't even think about it. Right. And we're all camping and it like hit me hard. That, Interesting. That, that, yeah. How could I not have known that? Yeah, yeah. And again, one of the very clear memories and the first time I ever heard God speak audibly to me was that I was walking up this hill to the cabin and he said, you will adopt one day. Verbally, out loud, I heard it. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. And... Again, I was very young. Well, that almost just gave me like the chills. I I feel like God gives me sort of like impressions. I feel like I'm supposed to do something. I don't think I've ever heard like actual audible. Yeah. Oh, that would like make me so scared. I feel actually it was super comforting. I'm like (laughs) that's amazing. Maybe because I was I was so young. Yeah. But I was just like okay. I'll do that because wow. I knew it was from God. There was never a question. I yeah. knew absolutely well, it was his audible voice to me. Wow. I've only heard it one other time. I don't hear God all the time, but that is, oh, that's, that's incredible. That. So that's always been, that's yeah. always been. And when Patrick and I met and fell in love and we're talking even before we got um, engaged or married, he knew that that was my heart. Wow. And he, okay, so wait, how old were you when you had that happen? Second grade. All of that happened mm-hmm. when you were in second grade? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this was just the way my life was going to be and right. whoever I married was just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> the best that he talks to kids. Yes. I, love I think that. that he talks to kids more because oh, they're more I open. I love that. But that's a sad. This anyway. is something I've known you forever. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that in second grade you heard audibly, audibly. something so grown up too. <laughs> like the whole, like you're yeah. a second grader, not yeah. thinking about being a mom. No. <laughs> necessarily. That's amazing. Yeah. So Okay, sorry, I've totally derailed because this is all so brand new. I'm taking it in. Continue. (laughs) So Patrick was not opposed to it at all. It just wasn't something that he had thought about because he was an 18-year-old kid. And And he didn't didn't hear God at eight. Yeah. And he was not actually thinking about our future family at that point. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to have it out there. Uh This is something I will do. And that was just our story. And so as we... We did get married so young, yeah, and so we knew that kids were not in our future for a while. We right. wanted to be in our 20s and just mm-hmm. do that well, and we did, and yeah. that was fun. And when we were starting to think about having a family, we were about seven years into marriage, something like that. And after various uh, research and learning from people who have gone before on the mm-hmm. adoption path, I we decided to do international because I wasn't up for hope fail hope fail hope fail I was not I was not up for that yeah um international it often takes longer Mm -hmm. and there's often more it's a bigger story or a much different story that's a better way to say that it's a different story but there's not usually there's not nearly as much hope fail okay because eventually it will happen okay so that's why we chose international we chose China at that point. Um, it was pretty new. Uh-huh. A ton of things happened while we were getting our paperwork ready that made it open to the public at large. Okay. Um, Oprah did a huge thing, and National Geographic did a huge thing, mm. and all of this awareness about the plight of kids in China that were being abandoned left yeah. and right because of the policies, the many different policies there. So we chose China because as I told my husband, I said, I can't imagine being thrown away because I was a girl. Yeah. I can't imagine looking at a boy and looking at a girl and inherently saying, 
the boy is more valuable. Right. Because they're both amazingly valuable. Right. Not that he is any less valuable, but right. she is amazingly valuable too. Right. And so that's what led us there. And wow. he was completely in agreement with that. And yeah. so, but China, you had to be 30. Okay. To, to adopt from there. So okay. we had to wait till until we were 30. Mm-hmm. So we had a, our first biological child. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we started the paperwork two months after she was born. Oh. To adopt. Oh, Wow. Two months after Cambria was born, you started already doing the paperwork. Right. Whoa, so that's a long process. It's a long process. And the paperwork, the adoption paperwork is, you know, it's it's a lot, right. <laughs> just to say the least. It was like a full-time job yeah. for a little while. And at that point, I was still working full-time. So mm-hmm. I was had a two-month-old, three-month-old, four-month-old, and working full-time and doing all of this. Wow. And it was a lot of money. Patrick was in school at the time. So wow. we kind of had to would, would have to fill out paperwork, pay for one part, and then wait for a month until wow. we could pay for another part later yeah. the next month. And so that's just real-life adoption. Right. So within... That time frame when we started, they said, you'll probably get a child within three to six months after you turn in your paperwork. Okay. Could be as much as nine months, but probably not. Okay. They were, it was really fast at that point. Mm-hmm. By the time we turned in our paperwork, which was, I think, eight months later, by the time it had gone through all right. of the channels, we've yeah. gotten all the home studies, all the medical, all the everything. Yeah. It, it was a 18-month wait. Wow. And then... So what, how it looks is that basically you turn in your paperwork, mm-hmm. they say, okay, you are approved. And in China, it's the federal government, okay. so the Chinese bureaucracy, and then you're, they approve you to adopt a child, okay. and then you're put on the bottom of the pile. Oh, and you okay. just have to wait till you get to the top of the pile. Okay. But they have, for all of China, it's a tiny one man, not one man, but one office. I believe that they have, There's not multiple adoption agencies, mm -mm. just one. Wow. And I believe there's only 12 employees for the whole country. Oh, for crying out loud. Right. And then all of those things had happened in the middle of that. Wow. what was a three to six month wait was then a 12 to 18 month wait, wow. which was then it actually took five years before Livy came home. Wow. Yeah. I think I started to get to know you better right at the beginning of that process. Yeah. And I just remember it being hard yeah. when you had had in your mind a certain time frame and then right. kept getting told, nope, actually it's going to take a little longer. And Right. Yeah. That- so Livy came home when she was seven months old. Wow. And that's where she was very young, which yeah. was wonderful. So how how long between when you first got the assignment, here is your mm-hmm. sweet girl, mm-hmm. how long bef- between that time when you get to celebrate, this is our new child. I mean, she, mm-hmm. from that moment, in your mind, she's your child. Right. How long then until she was actually held in your arms? Luckily, it was very short, six weeks. Oh, good. But in that six weeks, whoo, talk about a moment. Oh, totally, yeah. (laughs) So we had to make all of our travel arrangements. You have to get a visa. You have to do all of the things, and it's waiting on other people's timelines. And then you have to get a U.S. consulate appointment, which then drives your airline tickets and all of the things. And we had, at that point, we'd had our son as well in that five-year wait. Yeah. And so, so we had two very young kids and so how we have to be in China for 19 days what are we we're not taking our children our other children to China because one no and two two, yeah that's not fair to Olivia and our bonding with her right and so she needed what a sweet time 
to with have just that. us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. it was. So adoption. I know so many dear friends who have adopted both internationally and domestically to the point that I feel like one of these made for this podcast ought to just be a roundtable discussion on just specifically adoption. It's such a huge topic. But just to kind of wrap up this little segment here today, do you have any advice to anyone listening who might be just considering mm-hmm. that whole, just starting those discussions about adoption, do you have any advice for them about about that? Well, I would say this is what I believe about having any kids in general. Okay. If you don't really want to do it, don't do it. Right. Because it's going to be hard enough yeah. even if you really, really want it. But I also believe that there is... In my world, my biological children and my adopted, my child who I adopted, there is no difference in how I love them. Yeah. There is, I love them because, differently because they are different people mm-hmm. and, and they need love in different ways. Yeah. But sometimes I forget, I see people looking at us strangely and I'm like, why, why is that person looking like that? Uh. And then, oh, oh, because I'm holding a Chinese little girl. Oh, Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Reality check. And I just don't even think about that. But then the joy is there and she's ours and she's ours. And so people, I would say, if you don't really want to do it, don't do it because adoption presents a whole new array of parenting questions and well, and every story is so unique. Every story is unique, and but so how it turns out and plays out in your family will be unique to you. And absolutely, you can read all the things and know all the right. things, but then it's still your unique little person absolutely. that you're bringing in, and their unique story that yeah. that changed their life before you even met them, right. before they were even any part of your world. Even a seven month old right. has a huge hard history, right? And so that's what Kirsten Holmberg said when I interviewed her. Um, she said. Every adoption story includes some degree of trauma. Yes. Just some degree of trauma. Yes. May look different for yes. each child, but there has has to have been a fracture of some kind for them to right. have ended up in an orphanage or in the place where they were right. not with their biological family. Right. Um, and so then you just have to learn how to help them through. Right. Because they don't even realize that. Right. Because yeah. they've never had it any different. Yeah. And I have never been in their shoes, right. so I cannot be presumptuous to assume how they would feel. Right. So yeah. it's it's just a lot, yeah. and I love it, and I'm yeah. so happy oh, that that's best. our path. Yeah. And right. she is clearly our girl. Yeah. That, that she is just, is. She's, she's our girl. Yeah, it's such but, a delightful part of your family. Yes. Oh my goodness, I love her. Yeah, I love your kids. <laughs> I just think they're fantastic. And they're sweet little fun. Olivia, I got to teach preschool music. So that just was my little time with her. And yes. yeah, she's darling, talented, sweet little girl. That's mm-hmm. exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, I really do think it would be fun to have an adoption segment just to help people. Because I know we could also go into like, do's and don'ts, even like you were saying, people look at you funny. Well, why? Yeah. And and how can I learn from that and not bring to the table something that I say or do that is inappropriate? Right. <laughs> and I know, yeah, we could go on yeah, and, yeah, on, yeah. and so on and should. on and on and yeah. on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, that's so great. Well, I'm so glad that you have agreed to be here today because I just find your story so inspiring and I really do love the way that you love your family, just in all all of the things that you've talked about, how intentional you are with them, how 
sacrificial your last couple years has been, but not in a martyr way at all, in a, I am crazy about my husband, I'm crazy about what God's doing in him, and I am crazy about my kids. And so you just step up and do what you need to do, which is awesome. And exactly what we're talking about on this Made for This podcast, that we just get to show up to our life and do what's in front of us to the very best of our ability. And we may have curveballs and we may have ups and downs, and yet you just step into that intentionally every day and you do that so well. And um, one of the things that I love about you being here is you're probably the most behind the scenes person that I know. So any amount of spotlight <laughs> is probably really not your favorite, not my I would favorite. imagine. No. <laughs> so we're just going to pretend that, you know, this isn't going to be all over the whole interwebs. So tell what advice, given that, um, because your life is so behind the scenes and when you serve in ministry, it's behind the scenes. And when you, when you serve your family and your friends, it's really just behind the scenes and yet you're so good at it. If I you're you're one of the fastest responders if I need a meal or I'm going through some sort of bump in my road, you're you're the one of the fastest responders to say, how can I help? And so what advice would you have for people that may not have that real public gifting as far as being on a stage or being behind a microphone of of some sort? What advice do you have for that that is a life of complete significance also and, and affects people in profound ways. Do you have any encouragement for people? Well, I feel like God made us all different. Mm-hmm. But he, our core and our mission is all the same, and that's to love him and love others. Yeah. And you can do that no matter what specific gifting he gave you. Yeah. And my gifting is absolutely not in front of people. <laughs> absolutely not. He did not do that for me, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> you get me in front of kids, I'm fine. Yeah. If you get me in front of adults, I'm not. Right. So I feel like God made me this way on purpose, yeah. and he made everybody that way on purpose. Yeah. We mess it up sometimes, and we wish and we hope and we struggle against that. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. And I think that I, my mom is a huge behind the scenes person. She is. Even more than I am. So I watched that growing up, and I watched her change lives from working behind the scenes. So I never have felt like it's anything more than a foundation that other people can stand upon. Oh, that's so great. Because if you ask me to stand up on that on that foundation that somebody else has built, I will not do well. Right. But somebody else that God has gifted in a different way, they will do that well. Wow. And so... So really being comfortable in your own gifting. Your own gifting. Yeah. And comfortable that God made me this way on purpose. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, that's really cool. So that, that will just bump straight into then one of the questions I want to ask every single guest is being a Christian is it's not it's about relationship not religion and so for you to have that trusting relationship with God how do you how what what advice do you have anybody listening on or what uh, not even advice but what does that look like for you to grow that relationship with God on a daily basis because I just think we cannot survive this life without being in his word without knowing his character without understanding his heart and his love for us so that we can trust him. How does that look for you? How do you grow into that place of really being able to say, no, this is yours to carry. I, I'm not able to carry this. And knowing he does, how, yeah. do you, how do you cultivate that in your faith? Well, I think my story might be a little different than others, but I grew up in a home that was not... I had one parent that was completely loving and supportive and one that was abusive. Mm. And so 
What I learned from a very, very young age is that I cannot count on people, Uh, but I can always count on God. Wow. Because I can tell you example after example after example from when I can remember three years old up. Wow. That he was there every single time he was there. Wow. In really, really hard times, he was there. In hopeless times, he was there. Wow. And I think... Because I learned that, and I had my one, my mom, who's so supportive and just always flipped it back. God's got this, kids, and wow. we can do this, and he, well, let's pray about it. And here we are, and wow. we were together, and we were a unit, and God was an essential part of that unit. And I can honestly tell you that that, that was a foundation yeah. That was cultivated from the very time I was young. And you know what? It works because yeah. here I am. Right. There is not one reason, if you looked at all of the books and all of the research, yeah. that I should be a successful adult. Right. <laughs> I should right. not be doing this thing well. But right. hey, God did this. Wow. And how awesome is Redeemed that? a situation he, that could have been really. Absolutely. Yeah. And he was there with me when I was three and four yeah. and five and yeah. six. So I can absolutely confidently trust awesome. that now that I am much older than that, he's still there. Yeah. And I will say that the hard stuff you learn from, and yeah. that is where your base is. Yeah. And hopefully you're able to, with God's help, grow. Yeah. And You're a very logical person. This is why I have to keep a prayer journal because yes. you can probably logically put these things into like this linear path of these are all the ways that he was faithful. I have to write it down because I am a little bit more <laughs> kind of emotion-driven sometimes, <laughs> for better or worse, and I can forget those memorial stones because that is, that is so trust-building when you yes. can see over time... Mm-hmm. Yes, this was hard, but this is where he showed up. And right. yes, this was traumatic, but he intervened in this specific way that could only be his hand in right. that situation. And But it also goes back to focusing on that. Yeah. I really am intentional about not focusing on the hard part, focusing on what God did in that part. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to that. Right. Because that's the only part we really can control sometimes in this right. life is what we choose, how we choose to respond. Right. We can't control what comes at us all the time. Oftentimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Darn it. <Yes. laughs> that's such a bummer. <laughs> well, okay. As we wrap up just the more, I don't know, weighty part of the podcast, what, what final piece of advice would you have to people on, hey, you know what? Wake up every day to live out your purpose. Do you have anyone, any final wrap-up words about mm. how to how to approach that every day? Just know that you have purpose wherever you are and love your people. Love yeah. the people around you yeah. and be nice to the people because they have their own stuff to deal with. Right. They don't need yeah. to be nice. Just I love smile that. at love people. Love people and be nice. Oh, and smile. And yeah. smile and yeah. chat. Yeah. For two seconds out of your day, say something kind right. to someone as opposed to snarling. And yeah. You're Someone that, that you don't know and that... Yeah, because you never know. You never know. You never know what that'll do. And you know what? Everybody feels better after right. a smile. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we decided to start moving the so close moments to the more middle end of the podcast, but don't think you're getting off the hook with that. So every single guest, mostly because it makes me feel better <laughs> about myself, that's the kind of friend I am, um, every guest, I'm going to ask them, do you have a... So close moment, which in my world, that means you're just out on the way to do something awesome and it's everything's 
almost going to be great. And then it's just so close. <laughs> Not so much. Do you have a moment like that that you want to share with us? Well, I do. And the one I'm going to tell you about is, it's just one of those mortifying moments. Can I just oh, please dear. crawl inside of myself? Is there <laughs> any way for me to do that right now? Oh, so yeah, I can tell I'm going to love this already. <laughs> a couple of years ago. I was at my school carnival uh-huh. with a new teacher to our um, to our school, uh-huh. and I was just trying to get to know her a little bit. My kids were there, her kids were there, her husband was there, and we're just kind of chatting about this and that. And yeah. So it's early September. I'd only known her for three or four weeks, not okay. not long, and we were chatting about this and that, and I made some flippant remark like, "Oh, the memories really started to go at 40. and. And I said, did that happen to you? Uh-huh. Oh, dear. And she looks at me with these eyes. I mean, I had to be really confident <laughs> that she was older than I was. Oh, I no, knew. Is this going somewhere like if you oh, ask yeah. somebody oh, when they're uh-huh. expecting? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Go and, ahead. And so, <laughs> I mean, I was so confident that she was older than I was. I mean, oh, I just knew no. it. And then she looked at me with these eyes, and she was so graceful. And she just said, you know, I'm not, not quite there yet. Oh, and dear. I'm thinking, okay, well... I could not be this off, right? <laughs> I am a, usually a pretty good judge of that. Oh, no. And the general five-year mark, right? And I said, oh, well, is it close? Why oh, would I say oh, that? Why would oh, I say that? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, don't do that ever. If you're ever in that situation, stop. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So we've just, let's just clarify. You've basically just accused someone of being in their mid-40s right there with you. And in fact, she says, not quite 40 yet. And... And I said... <laughs> And then you keep asking. Right, more like, so how close are you? I think, just in my own defense, her kids are much older than mine are. Okay. So that kind of fed into it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See how I'm trying to make yeah, myself right, look better right, on that? Right, right, right. And so she said, ha-ha. She did that awkward oh, laugh. Oh, yeah. Ha-ha-ha. I'm 32. Oh, no. <laughs> how do you recover after oh, that? No. I mean, I'm honestly trying to get to know her. She's super sweet. I like her a lot. Oh, that's and the best thing ever. I'm 32. Oh, my And the God. balloon deflated. Right. And I'm like, I... Oh, what, what did, you, did you just... There's there's no real words <laughs> no. after that. What did you do? I what think I say? just did the awkward laugh back and said, wow, I was oh, off. I'm sorry. Easy. <laughs> and then I think I made an excuse and left really fast because that was a horrible... Oh, I probably would have made it so much worse. No, no, really. You don't look any more than 29. I just thought you were 40s because... No, it's it's bad. It was bad. It was bad. And now I've had to work with her for all this time, and that is her first memory of me. Oh, that's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. It was really close to being an awesome thing. So close. So close. So close. So close. You really just were trying to have camaraderie. I really was. Community, Mm -hmm. making someone feel welcome. All the intentions were true (laughs) and good. Making them feel welcome and old. (laughs) And old. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) I have these all the time, so it's just so nice. I just pull them out of people because then, you know, you want to... Misery loves company, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I like laughing, so yeah. cheers. If we can't laugh, then... Oh, my word. That's true. Yeah, we all laugh at ourselves. Well, yes. that's awesome. Okay, then. Well, let's just talk about um, some of your 
favorite things. What was your, you read a lot, which I love about you because I love all the books and we talk about them all the time. Are you reading anything right now? Well, here's what I will tell you is that is one thing that has gone right full time down with the full time and Mm -hmm. the traveling husband. Because you always read at night too, like me, right? Yeah. So then you just are ready to fall asleep. I read three sentences Uh and I'm done. I can keep my eyes open. Well, because your alarm goes off in like the fives, right? right? Five o'clock. On morning yeah. time. Yes. That doesn't seem like morning to yes. me. I, another reason why I think you're amazing. <laughs> I would not be a happy, pleasant person if my <laughs> alarm said anything in the fives. Anything, though, that you've read recently that's fun? Well, I really uh, enjoy Melanie Shankel's book. Oh. She has a the Green Sparkly Earrings is one of them. Oh, the okay. I've heard of that. In I the ever read living that. room, I think. The okay. antelope in some room in your house. Okay. That, anyway, she is a humorous um, kind of memoir type author. Fun. She's She makes me laugh a lot. So okay. I enjoy her and I enjoy, I enjoy nonfiction. I'm in this kind of a nonfiction, more memoir type. Oh. Um, phase right well, now. No wonder you're going to sleep. <laughs> Saying humorous ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I read my fair share of nonfiction, but yes. they don't tend to keep me as awake as the. That's true. Engrossed in the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 My very favorite book I've ever read, though, is The Red Tint. Oh. And I do not remember the author's name at this exact moment, but okay. it what is takes. It's a fictional history book. Okay. Is that Wasn't right? Wasn't that one sad? Or am I not thinking of the right one? Oh, it's a hard book, but okay. it was the most beautiful story I've ever okay. read. And it fictionalized, fictionalizes an actual historic event. So it takes I do one like line in the Bible yeah. and it makes a whole story around it. Okay. And I loved it because it, it was so amazing, the culture okay. that it brought. Wow. And I loved it so much. And oh, I think fun. I've read it four or five times. Okay. It's I'll just a page turner. I mean, it's a commitment. It's like a yeah. 350 page book okay. maybe, but it's so good. Nice. Okay. I'll have Cannot to put that. it down. Yeah. <laughs> I've always liked the books that you've sent over. Some of them are just a little sad, like well, yeah. the Alzheimer's one. Finding yeah. Alice, great book, I but I was like, yeah. mm, I know, very. How sad. do I keep my mind going? Well, <laughs> it's already got a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yay, and also missions and serving. You have a giant heart for for helping nonprofits. And what's a favorite? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask every single guest yes. on the show about their nonprofit that they love to just create awareness so that yeah. people can find that if something resonates, they can also go look into that particular organization. What do you love? Um, well, my favorite one is the Amina Project. Oh, how do you spell that? A-M-E-E-N-A. Okay. The Amina Project. And I love it for many reasons. One, it deals with kids oh, right. <laughs> in hard yeah. places. Okay. But I love that it has... It started with kids, and as they have grown, it takes preschoolers from um, places in Kenya. Okay. Um, one town in Kenya, and I can't remember the name of the town at this exact moment. Okay. Specifically, and it gives them preschool. Oh. And then it takes them up through school. Oh, I love but that. But it starts young, and they started with these kids, and those kids that started are now in middle school, high school. Oh, that's the best. And it provides their meals and the, all of their education wow. for that time. But it also provides the local people with jobs because all of the teachers oh, are people from Kenya. Wow. And it provides, but now they've been able to, as they've grown, go, go into the neighborhoods. Oh, And wow. how can we get... Um, he cooking healthy in wow. this in 
because of the smoke problems. When you breathe in smoke when you're cooking indoors, it's a huge medical problem. Right. Um, How can we make this healthier for the women and kids who are cooking all day long? Wow. So they lend support to the families They lend support to the family. How can we get electricity or um, these things? They provide medical to the community. I love it so much, and I really love that it's 100% volunteer. So every penny you spend there goes right to the thing. It's 100% volunteer. Wow. Yeah. So I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so if somebody were to read about that, is it aminaproject.com or is it amina.com? Aminaproject.com. I can't remember if it's com or org. Okay. Well, we can look that up and I can... Yeah. It's based out in. of Portland. Oh, Some wow. good friends of ours started it many wow. years ago. So... Well, I read the book. Did you read the book Half the Sky? Did we talk about I, this? I did not. I, oh, I did not read book. it on purpose because I was not in the place that I could read it. No, that. you... It's a hard, hard book to read. However, the premise is women make up half the sky and the key to empowering women across the globe is education. Mm-hmm. So to get in and, and catch these, for a number of things, trafficking, all the things, it, all the things. earlier you can be getting kids in school, helping families, it just sets them on a path that could be, the trajectory could go to a, such a better place yeah. um, with education. So that's powerful. Yeah. That they can, and volunteer only. That's amazing. Only. So you really know where your dollars go. All that's awesome. Them. Yeah. I mean, a project. That's great. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. I've loved having, having you at my table and that's so rare in the middle of a day. I know. It's like a little luxury. <laughs> I know. I'm so thrilled and I, I know people will be so excited about your story. So thank you so much for being here. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Donna as much as I did. I'm so inspired by her consistent commitment to choose joy and gratitude every day. I love how this choice leads her on a solid path to peace and contentment in all circumstances. This challenges me so much to take an honest inventory about my own outlook. Am I doing all I can to choose joy no matter what and to be intentionally grateful for all that is good in my life? I'm curious, what did she get you thinking about? I'll pose this question over at the blog at julieturnermusic.com, and I'd love to hear from you. And if you have any questions for Donna, please feel free to leave those in the comments section as well. Thanks again so much for listening. I hope we all go out and choose joy as inspired by Donna. Have a great week, and we'll see you all next time on the Made for This podcast.